if you think this is crazy, this is nothing. <laughs> uh, I hate to go back to the early years, but I think the brothers who were there would agree with me. Uh, this is not quite there yet. Well, in fact, quite far from how we were. And, huh? Yeah, the ball is not bouncing yet. So, um, tonight uh, I will continue my freestyle talk. I hope that is palatable to you. Um, it's good to break some rules. And... Uh, break some forms, not for the purpose of uh, doing something different or strange, but it is good so that we can really uh, sense where the Lord is leading us and really trust in his spirit to guide us. So um, uh, I'd like to say something first about the Jubilee, which uh, in the context of our history, all right, not just as a kind of truth or typology, but in the context of the history that I began uh, to share with you this morning. Um, the Jubilee, which uh, we covered in two meetings in this summer training in the uh, um, crystallization study of the book of Leviticus, and I was um, very blessed to be assigned message one, which was, um, I had a blast, okay? I had a blast uh, in that message, and I intermingle my speaking with singing. I, I think part of my message were actually sung, not spoken, and I quoted that verse uh, in the beginning, if some of you re may remember, and in fact, before the meeting and the prayer with the brothers, I brought it up, and that is in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, where um, we base our present practice of a prophesying meetings, you know, prophesying to build up the church. Uh, in that uh, um, chapter of prophesying, uh, verse 26 says this, whenever we come together, brothers, each one has. That means in the church meetings, biblically, scripturally, as practice on the, the apostles' instructions in the New Testament, is totally different than the Christian Christianity practice today where you have a clerical class, you have uh, some trained professionals uh, to officiate or to run the Christian services, whether they're priests or pastors or uh, whatever they may be. This special class of people, they would give the sermon, they would lead the song, they would do whatever. And most of the congregation would be like us here, uh, sitting there, uh, just listening and sort of passively um, um, taking it in. No, the early church did not meet that way at all, at all. These are unscriptural practices that have come in over the centuries. 
and eventually it hardened into um, a code, a of uh, ritualistic code, and that's how we Christians would meet. Uh, I don't need to tell you, the Catholics in this meeting, that the Mass actually is the celebration of the Lord's table. The Mass, the Eucharist. Um, and today it has degraded to become uh, worse than a formality. Uh, you know, with this man, you know, putting wafers on your tongue stuck out tongue, and, 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 and all of that. It was the Lord's Supper. It was the Lord's uh, very personal time with the disciples of his on that night of the Passover on the second floor. And John was, you know, I don't know whether it was a time recline on his breast and all kinds of things. And uh, by the way, talk about the songwriting. These days, I've been on some kind of a, uh, what do you call it? On a row? On a, on a, what do you call it? Huh? huh? On a row. I'm on a, I've been on a row. Uh, uh, these uh, couple of years, just putting out songs. And this spring, actually, I wrote a song. Uh, can you give me my phone, uh, my, my, my phone there? Uh, and uh, I hardly released it. And, and, uh, and I was so inspired uh, in the last previous training in the winter of the Lord's table. Do you remember that? Yeah. The Lord's table? And I was, again, very um, um, fortuitously assigned that message uh, on, um, what was it? It was on the, uh, oh, peace offering. Remember? The peace offering being the type of the Lord's table. And so I spoke from that and usually after I got into the stuff, or the material, uh, I got inspired, very much inspired. And so uh, last spring, this is about six months ago, <clears throat> I spent a uh, uh, couple of weeks to write a song. You know, on songwriting, by the way, the shorter the song, the harder it is to write. You know, like giving a speech. For me, this morning, I spoke for one hour, 45 minutes. That's easy. You just ramble on, right? <laughs> but Ronald Reagan, the pre our president, once said that the shorter his speech, the more time he has to spend to prepare it. So to give a five-minute speech, you spend, need to spend a lot more time than a 15-minute speech. So in the songwriting, it's the same. But I was inspired. So as you can see right now, I'm not even on on point, Jubilee, even I forgot Jubilee, I'm now talking about the Lord's Supper, right? <clears throat> um, so I wrote this song, little song based on um, the, the account in uh, Matthew and Luke 
of the Lord's establishing that first table. Actually, actually, the more you read it, you found that to be a very tender evening of the Lord with his dearest followers. And um, it was not some mass. It was very, very um, uh, intimate time that the Lord had uh, with his disciples. Um, he just uh, took, after ate, they ate a meal, and they just, the Lord took some bread and broke the bread and said, eat. Um, uh, this is my body broken for you. And then after a while, after they ate, he just um, had some wine, I suppose, some fruit of the vine, and said, drink all of it. This is my blood shed for you. And then he said a few more things, uh, referring to his coming, you know, in the kingdom, that I won't do this again until I see you in my father's kingdom. So, of course, there's a lot of deep meaning, a lot of things there, but it was that simple. It was that simple. You know, in the early church, uh, the practice was to follow that, and so the saints, the Christians, usually eat a meal on the first day of the week. By the way, in the very beginning of the church, then that being the church in Jerusalem, uh, the Christians broke bread like this on a daily basis. It's not weekly. Because the Lord's death was so fresh to them, the Lord was still so near to them in their memory, in their experience. They, and the Lord had just ascended, right? Uh, uh, ten days ago, right? And so uh, when the church life began, uh, bread breaking is not even like us today, some kind of meet, meeting in a rather formal way, and, you know, we have our own, own program, do you, do you follow me? Do this and then do that. And, and, and brothers and sisters, don't think I'm against that. But I'm saying that we, we, we in the recovery, are also susceptible to falling into formalities. And the Lord's table, I must say, is one area that we have long fallen into a kind of formality. We don't do the mass, but we have our kind of mass we know what to expect, you know. Uh, frequently I complain that our Lord's table has become a sing-along. Just calling one song after another. No praise, little praise, not the spirit of praise. So we need to what? We need to fill in those silence moments by another song and another song. And so on and so forth. And I hated that. I... I I don't think that is right. I don't think the Lord is happy. And so uh, there's a yearning within me, uh, not just to break the forms, but really to be restored to that intimacy, to that genuine experience of the Lord's presence. And um, 
for the reality of the bread and the wine uh, to be uh, uh, so 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 dominant and and uh, and moving every time we do that. Well, in the uh, first church, they do it every day, every day daily. When after they eat, they push aside the food and they just broke bread and. And, 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 and drink the wine filled with praise probably and worship to the Lord without any kind of formality. Probably it was done at the dining table. There's no church building. There was no, no nothing. They would just, they just, all they did was to remember the Lord. There was no program. There was no meeting. There was just memory. There was just remembrance of their Lord. How I want to see that recover the first Lord's table that I mentioned this morning with three people, and that's Watchman Nee and another couple. The last name is Wang. I won't tell you the first name. Eventually, actually, this couple actually left the church. But they started, the three of them, in a student housing in the, in the college. And the three of them that night, brought out some bread and some wine. And later on, about 10 years or so, Brother Ni gave his first account of that, how the recovery started in Fu Chao. And he described that evening. And you can find it tonight in some book somewhere. You can find it. He said this, watch my knee. Watchman, he said that, he said, I still remember now, vividly, of that night. He said, I remember how the bread was so stale. You know, old bread, you know, stale. And how the wine was sour, meaning bad wine, probably. Then he said, I still remember cannot forget how close heaven was to the earth. Brothers and sisters, it's not that piece of bread. It's not just that physically that cup of wine, although those are symbols and emblems. And we respect that. But it's not that. It's how close heaven is to the earth. I like to ask, in our Lord's table meeting, how close is heaven to earth? I don't say how many hymns you call, how many songs you sing, but how close is the one we are remembering to us at that very moment? So I wrote this song to the tune, an old Scottish old tune that is popular. This is my body again for you. This is my blood poured out for you. Take it and drink my death, you see. This shall you do. Remember me. 
You blessed the bread and broke it too. You took the cup and gave thanks to the covenant made in your blood bestowed on us forgiveness true. I will not drink this fruit with you until that day I drink with you when kingdom of my Father's here with endless joy will feast anew. What do you think? No one asked me to write this song. In a way, I didn't write it for anybody. I wrote it to the Lord. The first and the third stanza are the Lord's words to us. And the second stanza, I turn it around to make it our words to him. So it's somewhat a conversation, somewhat a mutual uh, conversation. So I'm not here to sell my hymns, okay? Please don't have that thought. But as it were, it says in Psalm 45 that when our heart is overflowing with a goodly matter, we cannot help but use the pen of our tongue to write praise and songs and hymns. Our tongue would be the pen of a ready writer. I wish, brothers and sisters, in the recovery in the church life these days, we would be recovered, revived, restored to reality. And even to be liberated from our own local church formality. Our local church religion. That we can also fall into. Don't think because we're the recovery, we're okay. Today, many of the forms in Christianity were once upon a time imbued with reality. It was dynamic. They were life-changing, but over time, the reality was gone, the spirit left, and man still kept that thing. And that is the definition, or one definition, of religion. I really hope the Lord would take his recovery on to higher places, even in this regard. I look to the Lord for a new recovery, a recovery that is living, a recovery that is rich, a recovery that is attractive, a recovery that is impactful. I hope the day will come, brothers, like tomorrow, we're going to break bread. That that would not just be a form, get it out, out of the way, and uh, Minor Chen will give a message now. I hope it will be a time of dear, dear remembrance of our Redeemer.
of the one who died for us, of the one who shed his own blood for our justification. I hope so. I hope so. I tell you, today the Christians, those seeking, are looking for that. In a way, they don't, they are not even looking just for the truth per se. You understand what I mean. The truth that is devoid of experience, experiential reality. Just the truth. And we have the peak of truth. We have the high peak of truth. The top truth, bar none. Absolutely, trust me. But even that truth is not enough to gain people, to subdue people. Look, we have the best truth. But we do have even saints who are tired of it, who don't find the blessing of it. We need the reality behind the truths, and that is the Lord himself. That is the Spirit himself. That is our need today. That is our need today. Now, brothers, these days and sisters, these days I'm very, very taken by this matter of Jubilee. And so, besides preparing some materials for the conference in, uh, up there in the, um, in the Bay Area, um, I, I said, I sort of promised the saints at least I'll write some songs. Um, but the songs never came until last week, uh, you know, this, this, just this past week. And I suppose pressure works or something like that. And I was just dwelling in this matter of Jubilee again. And then these songs came, one after another. And all together, there are three of them. And we sang one tonight. And... Uh, I will tell you, it's not easy to write a song like this. And I have editors that help me to edit and, you know, to polish and improve to make them more singable and, and such. But I would like to tell you, by writing, by uh, these hymns and so on, I got more and more even filled with this burden, this, this matter of the Jubilee. Jubilee was ordained by Jehovah um, as part of, along the law, the or, a part of the ordinances that he had given his people, Israel, to keep. And that includes, of course, you know, in the first part of Leviticus, all kinds of offerings, right? You remember that, those offerings and so on, all typify Christ. And then in this last training, we came to the feasts, all the feasts. And that is the coming together of God's people to enjoy God, to enjoy Christ, really, in God's presence, sharing this Christ with God and with one another. And that constitutes a true worship. <clears throat> And 
one of the feasts, perhaps you may even call it, uh, I mean, Jubilee. I mean, it's not exactly a feast. There were the, all the different feasts. But it is something very, very special that God, God, God ordained as follows. And that is, the children of Israel are supposed to keep Sabbath. You know the Sabbath. And every six days, they would, they would have to keep the Sabbath. And um, um, sorry to say today, the branch of Christians that still keep the seventh, Sabbath, they call the Seventh-day Adventists, they went back because of the lack of truth to uh, keep the Sabbath like the good Jews would do. But of course we know that is a formality that has been done away with, one of those ceremonial part of the law that has been done away with when Christ came because he is the real Sabbath. He is our real rest according to the book of Hebrews. But nevertheless, they have to keep the Sabbath not only on a weekly basis, but every seven years, seven year, it would be a year of Sabbath where no one does anything. Even the land will take a break. You cannot even plant on the land because you're making the land work and you break the law that way. So everyone takes a Sabbath. And of course, it's a sign of us resting in the Lord, enjoying the Lord who has done everything for us, as, as opposed to us gaining things by our own labor. Of course, keeping the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. <clears throat> God created or recreated this earth in six days culminating in the creation of man. After that, he said, this is very good, and he took a day of rest, and that is the beginning of Sabbath. So the important thing is God rested after he worked. But man was created to rest first before he works. Isn't that a good news? That's one of the gospel we should preach. But brothers... Besides the every seven years, there was a Sabbath year. Every seven Sabbath year, that means 49 years, 49 years, seven Sabbath, they would be expecting the 50th year to come. And that 50th year is called the Jubilee. How it happened is that on the 49th year, 49th year, they would start blowing the horn. They would start sounding the trumpet. And actually the word jubilee means a kind of shout, a kind of a proclamation. Um, and in some meaning, it comes from, derived from a Hebrew word that means horn or trumpet. And some say a silver trumpet. And so silver being uh, a type of redemption and that horn is supposed to blow on the day of expiation on the 49th year. They blow that trumpet. Probably they blow it for months. I don't know. And then in ushering in or welcoming in 
the 50th year. And in that 50th year, there would be the celebration of Jubilee. So Jubilee means 50th year. And at that time, the horn will be blown and there would be a ringing announcement throughout the land to all its inhabitants to proclaim liberty. Liberty is the key word in Jubilee. Liberty, freedom. Freedom of all men, all the people. Freedom in three aspects. Number one, free to be returned to their lost possession. They, all of the Jew, uh, Israel people by tribe and then by family, household, were allotted pieces of land, plots of land in Canaan to be their possession and inheritance. But some people were uh, lazy or um, uh, irresponsible, um, squandering what they have, and eventually they lost. They have to sell their possession to someone else. But on the 50th year, you don't need to spend a dime or a dollar. When that trumpet sound bro blows, you can go back and reclaim that lost possession. Free. Now, if, if you were that person, wouldn't you be happy? I mean, probably there would be some appreciation also, right? That real estate probably appreciated, right? My, back to my land. I don't have to pay, a, pay debt. I, have to pay, I, don't, I don't pay off some seller's note. I don't need to pay the bank. This land is mine. I'm coming back to it and claim it because this is the year of Jubilee. Of course, brothers, this is a picture of God being man's divine allotment. Purpose for man to enjoy God himself. And like that prodigal in Luke 15, he went away, squandered the riches of the inheritance and, be, and, and ended up in deep poverty, eating pig's food. And it was only then he began to remember how rich his father was. That's the picture. And that happened to every fallen sinner since Adam. And we all lost God through Adam's fall. Every one of us. So when the trumpet of Jubilee, the gospel of Jubilee is preached, that means mankind, no problem. God is yours once again. Everything is done to restore you back to God. The silver trumpet is blown. Jesus has died. The blood is shed. All the price is paid. This is the acceptable year. The Father will receive you as you are. Amen. Come back. Come home. He's ready. I mean, the Father is patient, waiting for years. But when he sees the prodigal son, he ran. I mean, if I were him, I would just sit for a few more minutes. I've been waiting for years. What's the difference of a few more minutes? But this father didn't wait. He ran. 
fell on the neck of this prodigal, kissed him, put a rope on him, put a ring on his finger, put sandals on him, and slaughtered a fatted calf, and come and say, rejoice with me. Let us be merry and be glad. For this is a son whose once was dead, but now he lives. Who once was lost, but now he's found. That reminds me of Amazing Grace, that song. Am I right? Brothers and sisters, this is the day of salvation. This is the jubilee. The second thing, the second aspect of the jubilee is a release, a grand release from slavery. Because some of these Israels, they not only sold their land, it got so bad, that have to, they have to sell themselves into slavery. And so, once they were free men, now they are bound. They're in bondage. They have to serve another master. But on the day of Jubilee, when the horn was, is blown, no matter how long you have served as a slave, you are free to walk out. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed thee, Charles Wesley. That was jubilee. That was jubilee. Man, because of the fall, had become enslaved in sin. He became a slave to sin, to the world, to Satan himself. He is a man under bondage. He's in captivity. He's chained up, shackled in a dungeon. But Jubilee came and he's free. A free man. Free from sin and Satan and the world. Isn't that something, brothers and sisters? Christ has freed us. And the third aspect of Jubilee is what? Is in these two words, come on home. Come on home. You lost your land. You lost your rights, freedom. And even you lost your family, your folks. You become a wanderer. You become a vagabond. You become a homeless person. Roaming the earth with no rest. And no satisfactions. When this trumpet is blown, you are to be returned to your own family. It's going to be a great reunion. Back with your family. Isn't this a cause for great joy? 
Brothers, those are the three things. And the picture of this last aspect of returning to be with your kindred is a picture of returning to God's household. That is the church. The church, God's family. Today, they are Christians. They even may have some experience of freedom and some experience of the Lord, but they're still wandering, homeless, without the true church, without a church life. There are thousands like this, brothers and sisters, out there. Our brothers and sisters. And many of us were there doing exactly that. Homeless. It's a terrible feeling of loneliness. Of being forlorn. Without any sense of belonging. This is what the human heart is yearning for. They want God. They want the real freedom. And they want to be home. Brothers and sisters, this is the Jubilee. In Luke 4, after the Lord was tested, baptized, and then tested 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness, he was, he had the spirit in baptism. It was a spirit that led him into the wilderness, actually. There's a spirit was upon him and after that, he came out as the qualified Christ anointed one to minister. And according to Luke 4, he started out in his sort of hometown in Nazareth, in the synagogue. He's been preaching a little bit already. But this is somewhat the official moment And he sat there and he took the scriptures, turned to Isaiah 61 and read it. That's recorded in Luke chapter 4. And I know we all know those verses, but let me just read it again. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him, and he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to announce the gospel to the poor. That's the first aspect, the poor. Those who are impoverished spiritually. Those who are without God and apart from Christ in this world. Ephesians 2. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives. That's those who are enslaved in sin. 
and recovery to the sight of the blind. To send away in release those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. The year of Jubilee. Then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant. Sat down. All the eyes in the entire synagogue fixed on him. And he said this. Today. Today. This scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all those who bore witness to him marvel at the words of grace proceeding out of his mouth. Brothers, that began the age of grace, which age we're still in right now. And actually, Jubilee signifies the age of grace, this entire age of grace. But I would like to tell you, still only as a foretaste, the coming age of the kingdom, when the Lord will personally return to restore Israel, that would be the real Jubilee to the Jews. But for us, the New Testament believers, the Jubilee has come. And today, in our spirit, we're enjoying this Jubilee. And our gospel to the world is to preach none other than the Jubilee. And do you not agree with me with the society the way it is? Let's talk about the United States. That is exactly what people need. Do you agree with me? And so, my brothers and sisters, here we have received this gospel, truth, in reality and in its fullness. I don't think too many believers even know this. We have a responsibility, and therefore... It doesn't stop here in Luke 4. It has to go on to the third passage on Jubilee. And that is the passage in chapter 26 of the book of Acts when the Lord commissioned the apostle himself, Paul, or Saul at that time, because this is on his way to Damascus when he was converted after he was struck down to the ground, after the Lord told him who he was, the Lord immediately commissioned him. Rise up and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose. God did not appear to Paul or Saul just to get him saved, He had a purpose in appearing to him, to appoint you as a minister and a witness, both of the things in which you have seen me and of the things in which I will appear to you. That means what you just saw of me. And I'm going to appear to you again and again, and you are going to preach or witness those things. 
delivering you from the people and from the Gentiles to whom I send you. Now here's the commission. To open their eyes. To turn them from darkness to light. And from the authority of Satan to God. That they may receive forgiveness of sins. And an inheritance. That's the possession. Among those who have been sanctified by faith in me. That those here is simply God's family. And the release is from the forgiveness of sins. So here, the great gospel of the New Testament is made known to Paul, to Saul. And dear brothers and sisters, this is our gospel today. Our gospel is not just to tell them about Jesus died. If you believe in him, you'll be saved, which is all right. And the next thing is somewhat, you'll go to heaven. You will, you will have eternal, everlasting life. That is not the full gospel. In fact, that is the, not the accurate gospel. The gospel has to do with God becoming our enjoyment. The gospel has to do with, our, with us leave, living a sin-free life, a Satan-free life. The gospel has to do with our rejoining God's family to have the church, the church life. Not everyone can preach the gospel, even the believers. But by his mercy, dear ones, we can. We can. So tonight, I would, I'm actually jumping ahead already to my last message. This is actually the last message. <laughs> Forget about the order. I don't care about the order. I just care about the spirit. This is our gospel. This is the gospel for the Midwest. This is the gospel for Middle America. This is the gospel for the United States. Still. Whether it's on the campus, whether it's in the communities, whether it's in the workplace, whether it's in our neighborhoods, this is the gospel we should preach. We have to preach. And this is the trumpet we have to blow. And when I say a new season has come to the recovery, a new season is upon us. I expect to see in this new season, full of trumpet sound, full of the ram's horn being blown to one another and to the world at large. Now back to history, 49 years, blow the trumpet, the next year Jubilee will be here. Now let's go back, today is 2018, 1969 this morning I said was Jubilee at the peak in Eldon Hall in Los Angeles, it was. I must tell you, it was. 
count the numbers from 69 to 2018, how many years? Exactly 49 years. So listen, I'm not superstitious. <laughs> I'm not prophesying. I'm not a prophet in that sense. I'm not here even just to, you know, interpret history. But it, to me, it is, again, interesting. Worthy of some reflection. Let's say we're in the 49th year. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I think this weekend is the day of expiation. Amen. I think this weekend, at least I'm taking the lead, to begin to blow those trumpets. Amen. Those horns. But I can't blow by myself. I need all of you to blow. We have a couple of thousand saints or something. What is it? I don't know. Regularly meeting. And the total number that come here, probably by tomorrow, maybe half of that, or a little bit less than half. Our number is small. We experienced our own turmoil in the Midwest 12 years ago. It hurt. We lost a great number of people that you know. We've been reduced. We've been through the valley of the shadow of death in a way. But my, I like to tonight declare that Jubilee has come. Amen. I almost insist that Jubilee is come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, it's time for ourselves to find God all over again Amen. as our holy and divine possession. Amen. God is ours in Christ as the Spirit. We would be those who live and walk in the Spirit and join that automatic function of the law of the Spirit of life that will free us from the law of sin and death. Amen. We are, we're going to enjoy that. Amen. And we are going to enjoy the church, life, the brothers and sisters. God's household, God's family. This is our living. This is our life. This is our destiny. This is our purpose. This is our meaning. But oh, how I long to see that there will not just be 2,000 people enjoying it, but many more thousands. I believe there are many more thousands waiting for this news. Not a religious preaching. Not just going to heaven someday, by and by. But this very practical salvation that God has designed for man, his elect, to enjoy. will tell the people it's free. 
Christ has paid the price. We tell them, come back to God. We tell them, be released. And we tell them, come on home. Come on home. We're not ashamed of this family. We love one another. Here, all is at rest. Brothers and sisters, this is my message for you all in the Midwest. That's the message of Jubilee. Okay? Next year, 2019, North is the 50th year. From 1969 is the 50th year. And next year will be the real Jubilee. But we got to blow the trumpet now. I see when I close my eyes thousands upon thousands of saints in the whole Midwest. Young people, young kids of the campuses, our own second generation coming up. People gain in a, from our community, even in your workplaces, your colleagues, your co-workers. Many more churches all throughout the different states. How about this? You think I'm a crazy... You think I drank something or took something? No, brothers, I've been thinking about this for years. For America, day and night. I took my time. I know you don't stir these things up because this is not a movement. This is hardly a campaign. I'm not for that. But I'm praying for a genuine revival. A real restoration of all the saints in the recovery. Back to a jubilee living and a jubilee life. And we're going to preach this. So, tonight, it's 8 o'clock. Maybe I'll do something very different and stop. (laughs) This this morning, I spoke so much that I even took away your time for testimonies and all of this. Tonight, Tonight, I stop early so that you can join in to blow the trumpet. I like to see not just these oldies. <laughs> this morning, these two brothers, I remember them very well from Eldon. We you. I was a kid. I was a kid. They were all kind of going on to middle age. We were 25. You were 25. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So, they, you, know, you know, there's this picture in Ezra. Let me tell you a little bit about that picture. And so the captivity came back from Babylon, from Babylon. And uh, a small remnant returned. 
Don't expect everybody to come this way of the recovery. Only the remnant came back, as in the days of old with Israel. But they came back to rebuild the city, but the first thing, they have to rebuild the walls of the city for protection. In any event, they came back. The first thing they did was to lay the, relay a foundation that has been burned down, broken, destroyed. And the second thing, they have to offer the, a burn offering, sacrifice, to Jehovah. And then it said, when that happened, there was a loud noise throughout the land from Jerusalem. It's a mixture of noises of old men. Not saying hallelujah. Weeping. Weeping for joy of this lost city that because of captivity, because of their sin, and now God has favorably returned them to rebuild the house and the city because they saw the first house. Now they see there's a possibility of this house rebuilt. So they cried, they wept with a lot of feeling, a lot of sentiment, a lot of emotions. But that was mixed with some young ones who never seen the first building. Didn't know what it looked like. But they were just happy. They were back. We're going to rebuild the house of God. Let's build it up. And they were filled with laughters. And so there was weeping. There was laughing. There was all kinds of things. It was a resounding great noise throughout the land. I think when Jubilee really hits, that's what's going to happen. The older ones will be just, maybe I'll be one of them. I'm a younger, older one. I may be weeping. I like to shed my tears that way. I don't want to waste my tears on my problems. I want to waste my tears on joy. The recovery is going on. God is building his house. The pride is the bride is being adorned. Materials are being gathered to build this house. The saints are released, living a free life, free from the world, from all the things, from sin. Isn't it, this is Leviticus, that they were trained to live a rejoicing life? Making offerings to God that is enjoying Christ, their hands are filled. They're keeping the feast all the time. Every meeting, church meeting, is a feast. My, people are coming in. They were coming in on a daily basis. And in those days, one meeting was all it takes to wreck you. No, no, I'm not making it up. One meeting, like in my case, one meeting, I have to make the decision. Either I never come back or I come or I join right now. And you cannot create that atmosphere. You cannot make it up. There is something of the spirit that is so strong and convicting. The spirit works 
the Spirit works strongly in those days. It's not man. We were just a motley crew, right, brothers? We, 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 were, we were not mature. We were not all of this. But we were one with the Lord. And we were living the Jubilee. One brother is Brother Dick Taylor. You know, I dedicated my message to Dick Taylor because he sings so much. So I said, I'm going to sing it for him, right? This last summer. And, and Don just told us they were together in a car. They were praising the Lord, right? In a little Volkswagen. And, and Dick Taylor was sitting next to him. And at one point, Dick Taylor said, praise the Lord, like this. And he just smashed the window. Well, that was only one episode of many such episodes. <laughs> of not just Dick, but all of us. We were crazy. And I, when I say crazy, I mean we were ecstatic. We were in ecstasy. We were often trans-like, trans, T-R-A-N-C-E. We were like them that dream. You know, it says what in the Old Testament? Whenever the uh, captivity returned, they were like them, that dream. They, they were like in a dream, is this real or not? You know, we have to pinch ourselves literally every day. Is, this church life, is it real? Or is it a dream? Then we realize it's, it's real. This thing is real. We're living it. My, we were happy. We were we don't have what I told the working saints this afternoon, this perpetual low-grade depression that I see many of the saints have. I look at their face and I say, you got low-grade depression. <laughs> I want a smile out of your face. I want happiness, but not just psychologically and, you know, tell a joke. No, I mean the joy of Jehovah is our strength. I mean, I mean, in the New Testament, the top virtue is called joy. The fruit of the Spirit, of the Holy Spirit, is love, peace, and joy. The kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And brothers and sisters, jubilee is about joy because that's where the word jubilant comes from. And I, a lot of times they come to the Lord's table, come to the prophesying meeting. I see anything but jubilance. You know, I said, people put on their church game face, you know, uh, to, to look spiritual or something, or to look serious or something. You know, uh, what, what is it? He just told us, D.L. Moody one said, D.L. Moody, the great evangelist, Chicago, right? He's, that's his hometown. So he, he said, uh, after we get saved, people get saved, they turn serious, okay? And some people got just a little bit too serious. Brothers and sisters, a lot of times, I know we're in serious business, you know, in the Lord's recovery. That really is serious business. But not somber. 
not sad, and not sorrowful. We should be happy people, joyful people, because we have the source of joy within us. We are the people with a reason to sing. We are the people with a reason to leap. We are the people with a reason to dance. Am I right? We are the people with a reason to praise the Lord. Dear saints, I haven't heard the kind of praise we had in those first 12 years for many moons and many decades. I'm not talking about just, you know, praise the Lord. I'm talking about living a life of praise. I mentioned that I prepared six outlines on praise. I couldn't wait to come back here and give that conference. To turn, to overturn the present church life, to make it church life of praise. How about that? Praise the Lord. Dear saints, praise the Lord. I tell you, I tell you, I also, I don't know why I get these messages. The Lord knows and the brothers know. They always assign me some kind of message that I happen to like, you know. And this is another message that was assigned to me where? I think in Kansas City. And there was a message next to the last one on praise. Do do you remember that? It was on praise. In fact, I remember that. I went crazy in that meeting as well. They give me these crazy messages, so I have to be crazy. And so there, I specifically remember, I talk about Revelation. Revelation, chapter 5 of the all the angelic beings. And then uh, chapter uh, 4 and 20 elders and so on and so forth. And chapter 7 on all of God's redeemed throughout the ages that forms the church. And chapter 14, all those early overcomers who was on the glassy sea, they all were singing, all these people were singing a new song. And all they were doing from angels to humans and to the redeemed and to the overcomers, all they did is one thing in common. They were singing a new song and praising God and praising the Lamb. He is worthy. Giving honor to Him. Giving glory to Him. Giving blessings to Him. My goodness, the whole, you know, J.N. Darby song, you know, the heavens, uh, the uh, vault resounded with amen. amen. And in fact, eventually you have to go to chapter 19 or something when the marriage of the Lamb has come. That was the, the chapter when hallelujah got released. Uh, in a few verses is what hallelujah, and hallelujah, and hallelujah, and then hallelujah. Because the marriage of the Lamb has come. And then I, I, I didn't say that much, but look at the book of Psalms, starting with Psalm 2, turning from the law to Christ. I mean, you read that Psalm, you are just going to praise the Lord. Kiss the Son. Don't let Him be angry. I mean, I mean, you don't go to the Son with a game face. You go and kiss Him with a happy countenance. Am I right? And you go on to Psalm 8, when you see the heavens, when you see the work of his hands, 
You just have to praise him and give him glory in creation. Right? And you go on into uh, uh, other chapters, chapter 45. You know, I mentioned this morning or this afternoon or tonight that you, 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 uh, uh, when your heart is overflowing, you, there's only one thing left to do. You have to keep writing with your tongue. Amen. And that means to praise the Lord, Amen. to sing psalms to him, Amen. to sing songs to him. Amen. God actually don't like you to pray that much to him, always asking him to do something. He wants you to stop praying and praise him. Say something good about him. Ephesians says, bless him, bless the Father, bless the Son, bless the Spirit. And to bless someone is to speak well of that someone. Don't just go to him and say, God, I need this, God, I need that. God is tired of that. God wants you to say, Lord, I praise you. You are good. You are loving, you're compassionate, you're kind, you're holy, you're sovereign. Praise him. Praise him. He wants to hear that. He needs some enjoyment. And nothing gives him enjoyment but praise from his sons and children. More than the angels. More than the angels. Psalm 68. Rise, arise. That means the what? The ark is arising up. It's time to decamp. It's time to take down your tent. God is moving to the good land. And that is a song of praise about the Lord riding in the desert. Am I right? Oh, brothers and sisters. If you go and read the book, How to Meet, you will find out that book should be more aptly named, How to Praise. Most of the chapters of the second part of that book is all on praise. In fact, Psalm 48, 48, all these psalms came came from that speaking. A lot of it. And then you keep going on in psalms. The more you go to the end of psalms, the more praise there were. And until you hit Psalm 150. Oh, let all those who have breath praise the Lord. And and those those last Psalms were full of hallelujah, full of praise for no reason. You don't need a good day to praise the Lord. You just need to praise the Lord. We don't need reasons to praise the Lord. We praise him because he is Lord. Amen. That's good enough. Amen. He is God. Amen. That's good enough. Amen. And the church is supposed to take the lead as the first fruits in this universe in praise to him. Amen. In resurrection and in ascension. And we will enthrone him with our praises. I tell you, if the local churches are full of praise, that church is healthy. Amen. And that church is strong. Amen. And tonight, as the brothers pray, it came to me. It was in the, in the Kansas City message. It was in Chronicles about Jehoshaphat having to fight the Amorites. Am I right? All those pagan people. And he said, don't worry. Jehovah is with us. And they were ready. They were stationed. They were, you know... 
together ready to fight. Then he didn't tell them to fight. He said, now start singing. Start praising. And Jehovah will come. And so they start singing. They start praising. And as they did that, Jehovah ambushed. Ambushed. Those Amorites. And whatever ites they were. I forgot. I tell you, dear saints, the way to defeat the enemy is to praise the Lord. We've been praying, and it's good to pray, but I tell you there must be a time when praise is over, prayer is over, and praise begins. Prayer means we're still in the fight. Praise means victory is ours. Praise means victory. And brothers and sisters, all the local churches in the Midwest are in victory. And you've got to declare it. Do not not believe it. Don't look at the outward situation. Look at the reality. So dear saints, blow the trumpet of jubilee. Praise the Lord. And proclaim the gospel to the people. That day is coming to middle America. I'm so burdened for the United States that the United States will enter in a renewed way that realm of revival, of restoration, of jubilee that we once tasted to some degree. But I yearn for a fuller taste and there's no reason why we should not have it. I know they label us a cult. I know today there's still things floating around on the internet, unkind to us. But I'll tell you, it'll always be there. As long as the Lord Jesus was on the earth, he was considered what? Beelzebul. They call him a man with a demon. They associate him with the devil himself. It's it's par for the course. Saints, don't, don't look at that. Don't worry about that. We have much important things to do. It's called praising Him. Amen. It's called singing to Him. Amen. It's called speaking out Amen. His gospel to His elect, to His, to His seekers. And there are plenty of them. Plenty of them all over the Midwest. Empty cities. Open campuses. Hungry hearts. Fanny Crosby, the great hymnist, wrote thousands of hymns. And one of the ones that we sang, sing the most. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying. Remember that? It talks about broken heart strings to vibrate once more. Friends and sisters, it's not just about the thousand of us in this room. The thousands and thousands of Midwesterners seeking the Lord. Actually, many of them love the Lord. But they don't know the truth. They don't know where is the real church. And if we don't tell him, them, no one will. Because we have been given these riches. Even 
the truth of the full gospel of God. We have it. But it's not just for us. Paul says, to me, for you. Paul was a conduit. Paul was a channel. Paul was a water hose. Paul never received anything from Christ for himself. Everything he received was for the saints. To preach the unsearchable riches of Christ to the people. Brothers and sisters, that is what is on my heart. That is what is on my heart. I would like to suggest we would not only pray for this revival to come. I think we have offered a lot of prayers. We should still pray. But in the spirit of blowing the trumpet, I feel we should start praising. Until Jubilee arrives. In the 49th year, they were not begging. They were not asking. It's coming. They just need to announce it. They just need to proclaim it. They just need to affirm it with one another. It's going to happen. Let's do that. So I like this morning, not two and two pray together after I'm done. Two and two praise together. Praise together. And after that, please come up. Many of you should come up to have that trumpet blast. I tell you, many of us have been too long even bound in our tongue. The Lord needs to lose our tongue. We're bound in our soul. The Lord needs to release our heart. We're bound in our spirit. The Lord needs to release our spirit. This is where it starts. This is where Jubilee begins. So tonight, how about come up? If you have nothing else to say, at least you can come up and praise the Lord. And there it says, these prophets, they actually didn't pray. You remember in this valley of death of bones, Ezekiel? And he looked at these bones, he was just just disappointed. He was discouraged. Can these bones live? And the Lord told him what? He said, prophesy to these bones. He didn't say pray. He said, now I know what I'm going to do. You cooperate with me by just speaking to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. Don't pray to me. I'm going to do what I will do. You go prophesy. That means you say the truth. You speak the facts. Exercise your faith. Believe in me. The word is faith. Speak the word in a believing way. And I like to see the churches, the saints in this whole area have our courage in the Lord recovered. We will not have an underground existence anymore regardless of what people say. We're coming out. We're out of our bunker. We're going to walk around. We're going to show our face with no shame. What are we shameful about? What are we afraid of for? Oh, this country needs this.
United States is ready. They are ready. They have been ready. Especially the millennials and the post-millennials, Generation Z. Depression everywhere. Suicides every day. Anxiety disorder all over the place. Loneliness. As I said, this thing is supposed to connect all of us. It makes us more isolated than ever before. Social media become a place where the perverts roam. Where all kinds of terrible, immoral, depraved things are purveyed. Look at the rancor in society. The deep divisions. The hatred. The impossibility of real oneness and peace among men. I actually encourage you, don't read the news so much because you are going to get a low-grade depression. Spend more time loving the Lord, Amen. praising the Lord, Amen. reading his word, Amen. and you'll be happy people. Amen. And then we will make people happy. Amen. You know what people today need? They just need someone who's happy. I mean, really happy. You know what I mean? Let's sing this Jubilee song. And then we're going to start the speaking. Now, even singing, we have a low-grade depressed way of singing. <laughs> kind of dragging it, you know, kind of slow singing. You know, this is not a ballad, okay? This is not a romantic ballad. This is a trumpet blast. So every note has to count. So I would ask all of you right now, stand up and let's sing. Even the piano player has to be filled in the spirit. Don't, don't play some old accompaniment, okay? Play it with gusto. With gumption. All right. Okay, give us, give, play, it, play, play it once for us. A little, sisters, a little too slow. So, 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 sorry. Even that is slightly too slow. There has to be a tempo here, okay? We're not playing a funeral dirge. We are, we're playing a celebratory symphony. All right? Okay, let's go again. Amen from Mopo. Hear the joyful trumpet sound. Jubilee, Jubilee. Let the word of grace abound. Jubilee, Jubilee. 
Liberty is now proclaimed. From our bondage we are free. All us property reclaim. Jubilee, Jubilee. God is man, appointed share. Oh, Jubilee, Jubilee. He's our law, divinely fair. Oh, Jubilee, Jubilee. Once we live a life that's vain, now we're full with Christ's replete. What a portion we regain. Jubilee, Jubilee. We have left captivity. Jubilee, Jubilee. Christ's redemption set us free. Jubilee, Jubilee. Gone are Satan, world, and sin. For their slavery we've been free. With a new life we begin. Jubilee, Jubilee. All our roaming days are done. A Jubilee, a Jubilee. With God's people we are one. Jubilee, Jubilee. For a home we've always yearned. It's the church. God's family to our king for we return jubilee jubilee echo now that awesome sound a jubilee jubilee sanctify the year around jubilee jubilee spread the news across the land go on now in ecstasy God's salvation is at hand. Jubilee, Jubilee. Brothers five, echo now that awesome Jubilee, Jubilee. Sanctify the year renowned. Jubilee, Jubilee. Spread the news across the land. It's in ecstasy. God's salvation is at hand. Jubilee, Jubilee. Sisters five, echo now. Believe, Jubilee. Sanctify the year renowned. Jubilee. Spread the news across the land. Go on now in ecstasy. God's salvation is at hand. Jubilee, Jubilee. All together, echo now that awesome sound. Jubilee, Jubilee. Sanctify the year renowned. Jubilee, Jubilee. Spread the news across the land. Go on now, it's in ecstasy. God's salvation is at hand Jubilee Jubilee Hallelujah Praise the Lord Praise the Lord Hallelujah 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 Announce the Jubilee. Jubilee, brothers. 
Jubilee has come. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jubilee. Jubilee. Amen. Amen. Jubilee. Jubilee. Amen. So, so come and uh, come up and announce in ecstasy. Go.